Well, what an honor it is for me and Teresa to be here today, and uh, so thankful for what you guys are doing here in this, in this community and in this church. We're thankful for your witness, the lighthouse that this, this church is. And so I found out how uh, close I was to the end of ministry uh, yesterday afternoon. I'm sitting talking to Cammy, and Cammy says, how come you got lines on your face? <laughs> I said, because I'm old. <laughs> I said, you might have lines on your face. When you, no, he said, I got dots on my face. I don't know, I don't know what the dots was all about, but anyway. <clears throat> children have a way of just kind of bringing you right down to, to where life is real, don't they? <laughs> and, I, and I love it, and I thank God for them. And it's been <clears throat> our privilege, and what we have, what Teresa and I have been able to do through the Lord's help uh, <clears throat> is largely because of her influence. You see, she's the saver, and I'm the impulse guy, right? <laughs> You know, opposites do attract, right? And so I've, I've been tempered over the years to, to, to pray about some things when I would want to just go out and, and get, right? <clears throat> so she's helped me along in that, in that way a, a great deal. She is uh, the best helper a, a, a husband could ever have, the best helper a pastor could ever have. And she's, uh, she's been a great companion almost 41 years. Wow, I've been knowing her almost 40. Well, I think it's, I looked at it the other day. 43 years ago, I walked into a choir rehearsal at Lee University, and she was already a member of that choir, and I was a newbie. And uh, we, we started dating shortly after that, not too long after that, maybe about six or seven months. And, and so this summer will be 41 years that she's been putting up with me. <laughs> Amen. So pray for her. Pray for her. Amen. Would you bow your head and, and pray with me this morning? And would you say, Lord, would you let your kingdom come? And would you let your will be done in my life, Lord, in this, in this piece of earth, Lord, as, as it is in heaven? So, Lord, would you uh, speak to my heart, God, today? Speak to the hearts of your people, God, through your word. Lord, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus today as we, as we uh, am so privileged to, to teach your word and to preach your word here today. Thank you, God, for your word, because it is alive. And Lord, would you make it come alive this morning to our hearts? And may we do as you say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Kyle said that I would get to be first in, the, in, in starting the series. And so I entitled the message, Who is First? Or First Things First. Uh, kind of changed that up a little bit this morning when I <clears throat> sent the slides over. Uh, first thing first. You've heard that saying. First things first. Who likes to be first? You like to be first? You can see that out in our society today, can't you? People like to be first. Uh, if, you, if you happen to get in behind me and I'm driving and there's an open lane, if, if I can do it without wrecking the car, I'm going to be in the open lane. That's just my nature. That's our nature. We want to be first. We like to be first. And so uh, here in, in, in God's Word today, we look at uh, the Scripture, and there are 365 verses in the Bible that say, do not fear or do not be afraid. There's, there's over 500 about faith. There's over 500 verses about prayer. And there are nearly, I think there's right, right at 2,000 verses on finances and possessions. How we handle what God has placed in our hand is there. And, and money is really a test of, of our loyalties, our priorities, and our affections. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus said these words, where your, 
treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've heard people quote that verse, Pastor Kyle, and they'll say, where your heart is, there your treasure is. Well, that, they've got it backwards. Because wherever, wherever my treasure is, there, there my heart will be. And so that's a test of my affection, isn't it? That's a test of my priorities. You know, there's three phrases in the Bible that all mean the same thing. There's first, the firstborn, there's first fruits, and there's tithe. All those phrases mean, mean the same thing. They, they apply to the same the same principle that they want to share here this morning. In Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2, the Bible says, Concentrate, uh, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. And 16 times in the Bible, God said, The firstborn is mine. It belongs to me. The firstborn is mine. And so the first <clears throat> principle I want to share with you today is, is this. If the firstborn was clean, then we get to sacrifice it. And, the first thing, and so the firstborn always belongs to the Lord. Now, I want you to think about clean and unclean. Now, the, when the, the Bible said that when they would sacrifice a lamb, they would have one without defect. They couldn't, they couldn't bring one that had a limp leg, or they couldn't bring one that was all spotted up. They had to bring one that was perfect, or as near perfect as they could find to the Lord, and give that to the Lord. And so that was the sacrificial lamb. Now, if the firstborn belongs to the Lord, then Jesus was God's firstborn son. He was God's only begotten son. So he was the firstborn. He was the only, the only uh, child of God up, up until God started to redeem man. And everywhere in Scripture, God provides a place for his children to be redeemed. For his children to be redeemed. And so as we think about... I was born with a sinful nature, and you were born with a sinful nature. We, were, we came into this world unclean. We came into this world spotted. We came into this world with, with, with baggage already, didn't we? If you look at a little child, you know, nobody had to teach Elijah, Elisha to say no. Or mine. Or whatever else declared that she wanted to be first. Or, or she wanted everything that was hers to be hers. Nobody had to do that. And so we were, we needed redemption. You see, part of that principle of the first things belong to the Lord is that if the firstborn in the scripture, if the firstborn was clean, then what you, what, you sacrificed it. If the firstborn was unclean, you had to provide some form of redemption for it. For like a donkey was unclean in the Bible. It was an animal that was unclean. And so you either had to redeem it with a, with a clean animal or you had, to, you had to sacrifice it. The Bible said to break its neck. And so not, not a pretty picture there, but, but that was the, 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 how the, the God brought about some of his principles in the Old Testament. Now I think about Jesus was the, said was the spotless lamb. And John the Baptist in John 1, 29 said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. You see, Jesus was our Redeemer. He was, he was our first fruits. He provided for me uh, being unclean, being born with a sin nature. He provided a way for, that I could be redeemed, a way that I could have redemption in him. And see, God practices what he preaches. Romans 5 and 8 says that while we were yet sinners, that God demonstrated his love so much for you and I, that while we were still in our sin, while we were still in open rebellion, if you will, God died for us. He didn't wait. He didn't wait to see if I was going to turn out good or if I was going to be uh, somehow inherently good. I'm not. 
and I, and I can't be that without him. And, and he, he provided a way. He, he expressed his love. You see, Jesus was given before I believed. He was given before he was given while people were spitting in his face, while people were, were mocking his name, while people were making fun of him and, 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 and all sorts of things. And he was given. And in the same way, way we are required to give of our finances, our first fruits, before we see any blessing. You know there's a promised blessing when we give the first fruits or the firstborn or the tithe. All those mean the same thing. Tithe actually means 10%. It kind of it declares what, what that is that we are to give. But before, and, and God has promised a great blessing. I didn't include this in the slides, but, but Malachi chapter 3 says, I will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. I'll open the windows of heaven. That's, that's where the best blessings come from, isn't it? That's, and that's where we, we get the blessing from, from God from heaven. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that you cannot contain. And so before I, I tithe, I have to give in faith. And you, and you know, uh, this, this thing of, about Passover was a celebration of the deliverance of, from slavery. You and I were born into slavery, the slavery of sin, and, and we were born into that. And, and so God always provides a place for his, for his people to be redeemed. Think about Isaac, being, uh, Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. He said, you got the wood, you got the fire, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And, and, and Abraham said to his only son, who through him the promise was supposed to come, he said to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. All your children will be as, as many as the sands of the seas and the stars in the heavens. You don't see as much stars around the city where there is a lot of light pollution as you see out in the country where we live. There are no street lights except the ones that we put up from our church. But you walk two or three hundred yards down this country road and the stars just come alive. There's more stars in the country. Uh, there are as many stars here, you just don't see them as well. But God said to Abraham, I'm sure there were no light pollution where Abraham lived. And he could look up at the stars and see, okay, Lord, this is, where, this is what you described my family was going to look like. And that was going to come through Isaac. And God, and God said, I want you to sacrifice your only son. Man. What a, what, and, and he was 90 when Isaac was born. Or Sarah was 90 and he was 100, something like that. And he was on, he was up, you know, on up in age. Probably had some lines on his face, right? <laughs> so he said, I'm going to, I want you to sacrifice your son. And this is what Abraham told his son. Can you imagine the position Abraham was in when he said, when he said I'm, you know, I'm going to, me and the boy are going to go worship and we'll come again to you. That was faith saying God is either going to raise him for the dead or God's going to provide that sacrifice. And God always, once again, always provides a way. And so he said to his son, God will provide a sacrifice for himself. God will provide a sacrifice for himself. And so that, that, it just tells us all the way through Scripture, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit not only, <clears throat> he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Redemption, so you and I might know life, so you, you and I might live. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 8, for whoever would save his life will lose it. You know, we're all about ourselves, aren't we? 
Isn't that, isn't that how we sometimes live our life, all about ourselves? And, 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 and if we're not reminded that, hey, this, this is not about me. This is not about me. This is about what Christ can do in me. And so he says, but whoever lo- loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will gain it. For what will a man give for his soul? What, 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 what would happen if he would gain the whole world and, and lose his soul? We think about those things as we, as we look to what God has asked us to do. Now, when you look at Scripture, Paul writes, and he said, and this is not in there as, as well, and I, and I don't know the reference for it or else I would give it to you, but he said, God's commands are not burdensome. God's commands are not burdensome. And, and so what, what God has asked us to do takes faith. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's giving to God first. Uh, it's trusting Him to redeem the rest, to make the rest holy. And it always requires faith to give the first, but it's about giving God his rightful place. I was thankful to have a dad, and I'm going to talk about him at the end here uh, today. <clears throat> but with God being first, Revelation uh, 1 and 17 says, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and hell. So God declares himself to be the first. He is the first. And he requires that we give him the first. You see, I've heard people say, you know, I'm going to bring my tithes. I'm going to bring my tithes to church. Or I'm going to, I'm going to pay my tithe. But you know what the real terminology would be? I'm going to bring my tithe because it's not mine because it belongs to him. It, 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 and, and I was taught that principle from just a, a young child, and I'm so thankful for that because God has brought so many blessings into my life, I believe, because of that one principle, that God, God honors that. God honors that step of faith. Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable. In verse 14, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who went on a long journey. This is found in verse 14. And he says, He called his servants... Put your hand right here and say, I'm his servant. He calls his servants and he entrusted. This, this phrase right here is so key. He said, and he entrusted his property to them. He entrusted to them his property. Principle number two is everything that I have belongs to the Lord. Every, not, not only does the tithe belong to him, but everything that I have belongs to him. <clears throat> My health my job, my ministry, my favor with God and man, every blessing that he's given me, the abilities, the, t- the talents that he has given me, they all, every last one of them, belong to him. There's a passage in uh, 1 Chronicles that I'll take you to. It's, it's in verse, it's chapter 29. David has been told that he is not going to build the temple for the Lord, but he is going to be able to contribute to the temple. And so... He says, uh, he finds out that his son Solomon is going to build the temple. But if you go there to uh, right around verse 12, we'll begin there. It says, both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. And then he, and then he kind of does a little bit of introspection here. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer, uh, thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given. So when we give God what we give God, it just comes from his hand. 
to our hand, and he just asks us to give it back to him. It's a pretty simple principle, really, isn't it? That, that we would be able to give God. And so I feel like David here today. I feel like King David saying, Lord, how would you consider me? You know, I love that song that we sing around Easter sometimes. It says, great love, there's been no greater love that, that, that a king would die for me. A king would die. Then that's what Jesus did for you and I. He died for us. And so David says, you know, who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer to you willingly? Because everything that we have comes from your hand. It, 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 it's all yours. You know, God gives you the ability to, to gain wealth. You say, Pastor, I'm not wealthy. But if you are compared to the rest of the world, we are in the 1% wealthy class of the world. We are wealthy. We're wealthy in, in Christ. We're wealthy uh, with everything that God has placed in our hand. Deuteronomy chapter 8 <clears throat> Verse 17 says this, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your father as it is to this day. All the way from when he swore to, to Father Abraham that if you will do this, this, and this, that I will bless you. And, 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 and so he, he promised and made a covenant with Abram that day. Number, principle number three is this that I am a steward of all things entrusted to me, and I am not an owner. How many own a home? How many, <clears throat> let me rephrase it if you're like me, you own a home, or you and the bank own a home, right? <laughs> or you and the mortgage company own a home, right? That's the way we do it here in America. And so <clears throat> we, we, own, we are, we, 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 in our culture, we call ourselves owners. But notice in God's economy, that we are not really owners. I mean, I'm not taking anything that I have on me today. I'm not taking it with me when I go. When God calls me home, which, which I don't know, might be 10 years, might be, might be this afternoon. But if God would call me home today, guess what? <clears throat> All my prized possessions, my, my pocket knife collection, my, my, my what, things that I cherish and hold dear and, and count dear to myself, I'm not taking any of those with me. I've just... I've just been stewarding these things along the way. And, and, and so I don't really own anything. And, and, and that really, it really helps me when I, when I look at uh, things that I possess. The Bible tells me that my life does not consist of the abundance of my possessions. Right? And so many times some people will, will allow themselves to define themselves by that. By that very thing, their possessions. And so uh, it, it, my life doesn't consist of that. You see, everything that I have comes from his hand to this hand. And if I told, I told our church, we began a mission program 11 years ago, almost 11 years ago. And I said, if you will be faithful, if, and if we will be faithful as a church to steward what God puts in this hand and put it in this hand and give it away, God will always keep this hand full. God will always keep this hand with an abundance that we would, if he finds us faithful, to put it in this hand and, and give it away. That is a principle in God's word that will always, always, always stand. So I give my tithes. The Bible tells me to bring that tithe into the storehouse. Exodus 23 and 19 says this, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You know, when the Lord impresses you to give an offering or blessing someone else, if I really believe that it all belongs to him, guess what I'm doing? 
I am managing God's wallet. I'm, I'm managing God's wallet or God's money clip or God's checkbook or God's debit card or whatever the case may be. If, 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 if God impresses me to give something to somebody, then I'm just managing his money, right? If it, if it all belongs to him, and I really believe that, and I believe that it does, it all belongs to him. Principle number four is this. What is, <clears throat> what is the first, what is the tithe? Let's just, let's just say for illustration purposes today that I, I get paid $100 a week, all right? And I, have ten, and I get paid in cash, and I have 10, $10 bills. So what is the tithe? It's 10 bucks, okay? Which one of those, if I laid them out here on the, on the edge of the stage, which one of those is, is the tithe? It's the first one, but it's a little, a little bit more defined than that. It's the first one spent. It's the first one spent. What, would it require any faith if I laid all those 10 out and I needed 10 for my rent? I needed 10 for my car payment. I needed 10 for my insurance. I needed 10 for savings. I needed 10 for... On down, on down the line to nine things, what would it require faith? If, even if I had 10 left over, it wouldn't require any faith at all, would it, uh, that I would, pay, I would pay God last. I'm still paying God, but I'm not really paying Him the true tithe if I don't pay Him first. Because there will come a day, you can be sure of it, There'll come a day if I rob God and don't give him first place. You see, when I pay, when I pay God first, what, you, you know what it's doing really? It's really saying, God, you're Lord. How many times do we sing a song or declare or even pray and we pray to the Lord and we say, Lord. And you know what Lord really means? It means I am his servant or he is my master. And so if I, if I paid my car payment, my rent, my utilities, my insurance, my food bill, you know, my groceries, and on down, and I still had $10 left over, that would not really be the tithe in the Lord's eyes, even though it's the same amount. The tithe is the first one spent. That is why, uh, because this lovely lady over here pays the bills, and she manages our checkbook, and again, she's the reason we have a savings account. Uh, I asked her to write that check on Monday. My clerk hands me a check on, on Sunday morning. I asked her to write that check on Monday. Maybe even before I get a chance to get to the bank to deposit. But still, I want that to be the first one spent. It's, it, it's, you say, Pastor, that's a little silly. But is it really? Because it takes faith to pay that out first knowing that I'm not going to be, be able to count on that. It just says, Lord, you're first. And that's what really God wants from us, isn't it? God, you're first. You're first in my life. All right, here. <clears throat> number five. Principle number five. We're going to wrap up here in just a second. It takes faith to give God his, his first. Other ministries... Other things that, that we give to, uh, it, comes, it comes after my tithe. It comes after our tithe that we give to the Lord. <clears throat> First fruits and tithing were given before the law. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, you know, I'm not under law anymore. I'm under grace. Have you heard that? I'm not under law. I'm under grace. We're not, we're not Old Testament living here. We're New Testament living. 
And I think about some of the laws that God gave, even though the, the, the tithing principle was given. It, it predates the law by probably three or 400 years. I wonder what would happen if I looked at those Ten Commandments. And, I, and it says long down there about, you shall honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment that had a promise attached to it. What if I said, you know what, I'm under grace now, Mom. I don't, have to, I don't have to obey your rules no more. That probably wouldn't have went too well with me as a young man. What if I would look at this lady over here and say, I know the Old Testament says, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I'm under grace now by, by cracky. I'll do what I want. That wouldn't probably go too well in my home, right? There's certain things in God's law and in God's word that, that supersede Law and grace. Yes, we're, we're, so, we're so privileged to live under grace. We are. We're so privileged to do that. But God has placed some principles that, that bring blessings to my life. Principles that bring, bring blessing and honor to my life as I, as I adhere to those things. And in the scripture, and we're not going to go into all these today, but just for your reference, if you'll write, these, write this down, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17, all the way through chapter 6, verse 33. There is 14 places in that stretch of Scripture that is called the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says these words, You have heard it said, but I say to you. You know what Jesus is doing? He's kind of raising it up a notch. He's kind of lifting things up. He's kind of up in the ante of, of what we're called to do. I'll list two examples. He said that if I say in my heart, I hate you, then I'm guilty of murder. That wasn't in the Old Testament, was it? But Jesus just upped the ante of discipleship just a little bit. He said, if I look at a woman with lust in my heart, that I've already committed adultery in my heart. I don't need to take her to a motel room. I've already committed that in my heart. So Jesus, he, he raised the bar for us. And that's what grace, that's what grace does in our life. It draws us closer to Christ. It, 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 it kind of clearly defines uh, the Scripture and, and allows us to live a life in that way. I want to go back to where we started there in, in, uh, in Exodus. If you look at Exodus chapter 13, and let's look at verses 14 and 15. And this is about leaving a legacy, church. This is about leaving a legacy. This is about teaching your children. If you look, just a little side note, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the first several verses, it says that you should talk about this with your children when you lay down, when you rise up, when you sit around the table. So th this, this passage here also is about uh, leaving a legacy for your family. And if I look at verse uh, chapter 13, verse 13, 14, and 15. It says, Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Don't, don't break your son's neck, all right? Just, we're gonna, we, redeem, we redeem him, right? We, we, we lead him to, to love Jesus and know that. But here's, here's where I want to uh, bring our attention to in verse 14. It says, When in time to come your son or your daughter asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to them, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. You see, before Jesus, you and I lived in a house of slavery, didn't we? 
we were bound into bondage of, and the slavery of sin. And so he says, uh, For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the wound, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. All the firstborns of my sons. So as you lead your children to know the Lord Jesus, also teach them the principle of, of firstborn, of firstfruits, of tithing, so that they might have the blessings of the Lord on their life as well. My dad was, my dad was a, a wonderful man of God. He's gone on to be with the Lord now seven years ago. And as us kids, there were five of us in the house. As us kids, would, my mom would make out the tithe check. And I, I would say, or one of my sisters would say, Daddy, can we put it in today? Can we put the offering in today? And sometimes Dad would let us do that and, and give us some money for offering besides. But I remember one time I looked at this check, and it was a pretty substantial check. My dad was a door-to-door salesman, and so he, he made commission only. He bought and sold land, and so he'd sometimes have a bigger check than usual. And I say, whoa, Dad, that's a big check. We're giving to the house of the Lord today. And you know what my dad would say? My dad would say, son, he called me, he called me Timmy back then. My dad, my mom, and my grand, grandma were the only ones allowed to call me Timmy. Now, two of those have gone on to be with the Lord. <clears throat> but he'd say, Timmy, uh, you don't know where I came from. My dad got saved at 17. He was raised by two alcoholics. He, he proclaimed that they came over to his house on the weekends to bust up the furniture and kick holes in the walls and party. And he said he made a decision before the Lord found him that he didn't want to raise his family that way. But he said, this is all the Lord requires of me is to give back to him what he asks. And he gives me all these blessings. And he gives our family all these blessings. So he taught me early on the importance of first fruits. He taught me early on the importance of, of paying the tithe back to the Lord. You know, in 30, in just a month, it'll be 36 years, Trish and I have been in full-time ministry. I've heard two phrases from people as it relates to this subject. From non-tithers, I've heard, I can't afford to pay tithes. It's always the same statement from a non-tither or somebody who hasn't found the blessing of tithing yet. And this is the phrase or the declaration that I hear from people who tithe. You, pastor, you can't believe the blessing God has poured out into my life. You can't believe the blessing that God has given me because I have been obedient to Him. You see, God tells us in His Word that if we love Him, we'll obey His commands. We'll obey His commands. And then Paul comes along and tells us that His commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. And we find so much more blessing. And, and you see, tithing is, you know, it's, it's not an oppression. It's not a, it's not a you know, a, a beat over the head. Here's what it is. It's life. Obeying God's commands bring life to us. And so I would just say to you this morning, as, as you have allowed me to kick off uh, this uh, financial freedom uh, series here this morning, and I count it such a great privilege to share from God's Word these, these few principles 
that if you'll apply him to your life, if you'll say yes to him, if you'll say, Lord, 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 I want to be part of your kingdom and I want your kingdom to come. You see, of those 14 things that God upped the ante of there in the Sermon on the Mount, every one of them came with a blessing. Every one of them came with a, with a blessed way to live that, that life. And tithing is no different. First, living by the law of first fruits is no different when we, when we give back to the Lord as he has given to us. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful today to be able to share your word, God, and, and the experiences, God, that you have allowed me to go. Lord, I've been paying your tithes. I've been bringing, God, your tithes to the storehouse since I was a wee little lad. Lord, when I would uh, make money by selling Christmas trees or if I would make money by, by uh, helping my uncle Hay or whatever I did as a youngster, God, and when I got my first paying job where I had to give my social security number, God, I paid tithes then. And, and God, I'm just so thankful that you instilled that in me early on. Lord, that that would become a lifestyle of, of obedience to you, God. And that trickles over into so many areas of my life, God, that you have uh, continued to pour out your blessing as you have promised. Lord, the, the, the song that we sang earlier, Lord, that you were faithful to the promises that you made. And so, God, I say you are. I testify today, God, that says you are faithful, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for this lighthouse, this church. Thank you for the work that you allow them to do, God. I pray that you would uh, place a blessing on their finances, Lord, that you would cause uh, that to just explode, God, that they might uh, just uh, open up several different areas of ministry all throughout their city. That, God, the kindness of God that it is expressed as they do ministry, God, would lead people to repentance, would lead people, God, to know you, would, would lead people, God, to have eternal life. And, God, heaven is going to look different from this community because of this lighthouse here today, Lord, I pray. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's kids said amen.